Now, sovereignty is nothing more than God's activated kingship and love, active in the world. And that's what's activated by prayer. But it's to glorify the Son. It's not about glorifying you. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I The reading for today is from John 14, 5 through 12. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you have, would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. He will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. In the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Luke was t- uh, reading the scripture, I was thinking about this text and I, you know, the struggles I've been having in being in John, especially John 14 through 17. How many of you have seen Aladdin, that movie? Uh, but yeah, of course. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Old or new. And one of the best scenes in that is the Caves of Wonder. So early on, Aladdin has a test of his, a test of his character, a test of whether he is the diamond in the rough or something. <laughs> and, uh, and so he goes to the cave, of, and that cave is littered with jewels, littered with beauty, littered with gold, littered with diamonds, littered with everything, right? Everything, treasure you would want. And I, honestly, that's what John 14 through 17 feels like to me. I feel like this is one of the caves of wonder in the Bible. This is one of the places where we move a few feet and we're bumping into something else. In this short text here, we are exposed and presented with the nature of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about uh, he is in the Father and the Father is in him. Then he goes on to talk about uh, the power of prayers we're going to look at today. And then he goes on to talk, and he, he weaves together a tapestry of unutterable beauty. And it's my privilege to tell you about it. So <laughs> this is one of those exciting. Now, one of the things I'm going to have, I'm going to have a problem with is is I don't know where to start sometimes. Like it's literally, this text is littered with glorious things for you and me. So uh, we, the overhead's not working today, so we won't have the help that help there. And so uh, that kind of sets me free to be as wild as I want to be. 
And that's not a good, necessarily a good thing, but just start praying right now. <laughs> now, um, I want to talk about prayer today. Everything's going to focus on prayer. I, I do need a bulletin. There's a bulletin. Uh, so I'm going to focus on prayer today. And those are your guests. I'm always like this. Let's take a look here. And I want you to look at verse. And look here in, in verse. Uh, gosh, I can't even read the verses on this. We'll have to change that. 13. That's like a faint. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Open-ended, amazing promises from God. We're going to take a look at that today. And how that's meant to fuel our prayer. And tell us about prayer. What this text tells us about how to pray. and Things like that. I hope we'll, we'll be encouraged by it. But as we're kind of going through the diamonds, I want, you, I want to talk a little bit about, I would talk about, begin with this problem of, all right, God made the universe. If you're a Christian, if you come here, if you're not a Christian, say you're not a Christian. If you come here today, I want you to, might, might, might not know this, but I believe a God made the world. I don't believe the world came to the right chance or some happenstance or that it somehow erupted out of, on its own will. But that indeed a God is operating in the universe. And what this God has created, one of the most fundamental things he ever created that makes it all work is this. Cause, I am the cause, effect. That's the effect. Cause, I push something off the table, and what's the effect? It falls. And it's been like that for a really, really long time. Ever since he made the universe. For over many billions of years it happens to be, or whatever you believe about the age of the universe, something that God made that's in the interior kind of mechanism that everything works. Everything works because of this, this, this microphone, these lights, everything is based on, an, on a conviction and a compelling belief that if we do certain things, certain things result. Cause and effect. But then I hear Christ say things like this. When the father seeks to glorify the son, it's through prayer. And what is prayer? It is our father who created cause and effect disrupting cause and effect. Let's say imagine this side is cause, this side is effect. He tears them apart. And he, and, he, and he inserts himself in his will and his pleasure and his glory and his answer for you and for me. And you're, the way you are called to understand cause and effect, Frankie, you give it up. Because you've been introduced to the God who made cause and effect. And he has invited you. Invited you, Michael, and me, and you, Lindsay. Every one of us to go to him and ask him to insert himself in the cause and effect of your life. Praise him. And that's what I want to talk about. Because these huge, dynamic, amazing, unparalleled promises really get me kind of down. Because I don't know how to promise. Like, what, what if I promise you something, Sebastian, doesn't happen? Could you pray for it? And you're going to get hurt. You're going to get upset. Like, I think about these things pastorally. How do, I, how do I offer you the hope that this God does amazing things and can? And he makes, makes promises. Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the promise. See if there's any conditions. And there are. There are conditions that exist upon this prayer, this prayer promise that he makes. Then I want to do, I want to dive into that prayer promise and see what is in there for my heart, for our hearts, for our hope. And if we focus on these promises, we focus on what this truth must mean and how our father interfered between death and life. You see, the cause and effect of the cross is irrevocable. It, everybody who ever died on a cross 
stay dead. <laughs> Cause and effect, very simple, very clear, very unbreakable, very undoable. But then Christ walks out of a grave, rises up from the tomb. Cause and effect as you know it, as you have imagined you understood it, is up for grabs, isn't it? It's up for grabs. Things have changed. Something has changed. Something has changed. Well, let's take a look here. Now, first thing I want to do is, I want to encourage you about prayer and this beautiful promise to pray in his name. And now, these promises, they're, they're just too big. They're so big. They're like, a, they're like a jacket I can't put on. They're like, a, they're like shoes I can't walk around in. They're so big. They're big clodhoppers. They're like, it's just, it's, they're enormous. Ask me what? Anything. You know, I, uh, in the age of American evangelicalism, you can see where that's gone, right? You can see where that's Doesn't that sound, it doesn't seem to invite an, uh, a, a war, and warrant unparalleled consumerism? Don't you want more stuff? And I hear the prayer of Jabez and things like that. I hear all these attempts that sound very, very American to me, very materialistic, very consumeristic, very me, 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 me driven and taking the promise I can have anything. Well, that means anything I have is, oh, this is, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to chase this train. This is a gravy train, isn't it? Oh, you're worried. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a gravy train. This is a gravy train, isn't it? <laughs> Smart move. That's why, that's why Corey's in leadership. All right. So, all right. But we have to meet the conditions. And did you notice them in the text? They were there. We were, we were presented these, 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 these pro this promise, this amazing promise with an if. The conditions exist. They exist immediately. And I want you to really bear down on this because at this moment, I want you to know God, to know him as he truly is, to know him as he's offered to you in Jesus Christ. I am not offering you a manipulative scheme by which you may order your life and get whatever the heck you want. Or in the case of San Francisco, whatever the hell you want. Am I being irreverent? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because what hell wants is what runs the city. No mistake about it. Now, the conditions exist, right? And, and just start, start pulling them out of the text. Look at, the, look at it in the context. What's one of the main conditions? That the Father may glorify the Son. Whoa, that right out the gate. You don't get it. You don't get why you're here or what this is, is if you imagine that a Porsche or a hot career or a sexy job is at the end of every relationship with Jesus, right? All I want and all I can get. No such thing exists. God does not exist to please you, Will. It doesn't exist to please you. He exists for the pleasures of the Son and the glory of Jesus. That's it. That's what he's there for. That's what he's answering for. That's what he's engaged with. And that's what he's sovereign. Now, sovereignty is nothing more than God's activated kingship and love, active in the world. That's what sovereign, sovereign love is. And that's what's activated by prayer. But it's to glorify the Son. It's not about glorifying you. And now, and this is funny because when you begin to realize those kind of conditions, you realize how many of your own prayers were what? Me, 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 me. We'll talk about that in a second. What's the next condition? If you ask. Isn't it amazing there's a condition of asking? And many of us will say to me, some people will say to me, why should I ask God when he knows what I want? And what? Meet the conditions. <laughs> In other words, humble yourself. And this is the moment of humility, right? I need this. That's, the, that's a condition for this to be active. 
You have to be an asking person. Oh, wow. All right. Well, let's keep pulling at them. Let's keep opening them. If you ask anything in my name, and now we're getting into in my name. Now, again, this isn't a manipulation, right? This isn't a formula. This isn't a, I just got to make sure I get the list of what I want and tag on in his name, and I'll be okay. I'll be all right. No, 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 no. In, the preposition in. The preposition in in the New Testament does not mean in. It's an, it's an identity. It's your identity focused and found and created and, and ennobled in him. To be in Christ is to metaphysically and mystically be united with God himself. We are made partakers of the divine nature, Peter tells us. In him is now, in fact, in the Greek, in this passage, those, 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 pro, those uh, prepositions, in. It's always into, by the way. Into. And I love that because it's kinetic. It's, 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 it's active. It's engaged. If Christ in you is the hope of glory, you don't have any other hope. You see, and that's the only way you get to this prayer that is so powerful in its promise, so overwhelming and massive, so majestic in what it imagines could be. Ask anything. But you know, you have to context, context, context. What's the next if? There's another if that follows that if. If you love, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. What is being in him? But being a creature activated by love. You see, you see, if and the conditions are being met, not by the fact that Simon knows how to ask, knows what to do, and, and, and has somehow made God do what he wants to do. No, I'm not far from it. No, Simon's asking is powerful because Jesus is in him. And he is in Christ. I don't dare to say something here. I don't believe in prayer. I don't believe in prayer, nor should you. I believe in Jesus. I love the way Colleen, Colleen introduced herself to me. She's like, I'm, I love Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. I have hope for her prayers then. You see, hope for them. Because if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That active heart of engagement and personal knowledge of God. When Christ hangs on the cross, he dies for you as a sinner. And if you know that and you trust it and you live in it, then these promises are yours. And that anything, I think, anything just gets bigger and bigger in the wonder of your soul. Your imagination harnessed to his glory, fueled by his love, adorned by the blood, imagining all that God can and does do. The man, the God who created, the God man who created the universe, he created cause and effect, now invites you to turn around and turn the tables on him as it were and invite him to disrupt cause and effect for the glory of Christ. Praise him. I guess I feel like I could be done there, right? No, no such luck. All right. Now, so if we can get to these, get past manipulations, that we don't believe in prayer, we believe in Jesus. Jesus answers prayer. He is the living God. Jesus answers prayer. He is the dying God, man, who died for my sins. What do we, now, let's talk about some things, some problems with prayer. And I'll take this in three places and be done with it. But the first thing I'm going to talk about is my problem with prayer. You know what my problem with prayer is, brother? You know what real problem is? Is I'm a thief. Now, I want to talk about this. I really mean this. I, uh, here, uh, this is going to be odd, Corey. Put your hand in my pocket. Put your hand in my pocket. Go ahead. There's nothing in there. That's what I feel I'm doing to God when I come to him in prayer. I feel like I'm always doing the, what's in it for me? <laughs> that was good. That was good. 
That was good. Nobody ever gets me back on my little illustrations. That's good. I won't use you again. That was good. Yeah. yeah. You've heard that expression, like what station everybody's tuned into? W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Everybody's tuned to that radio station. Amen. It really is true. You know, I was thinking about it. I was at home this week with mom and dad. There's a white jar that sits on the counter. I remember that white jar very well because my hand was in that jar every morning taking money without mom and dad knowing. You know how fast you can get it counting quarters when your parents are in the other room? (laughs) And I was the good son. I was the one that everybody looked up to. I was the one who always said I was, I was, I was going to follow Jesus. I, w- I was such a hypocrite. It's painful to even talk about it today. Mom and dad listen to my sermons uh, uh, every week after I preach them. So sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. I can't remember if I ever told them about that. Um, <laughs> but, that's, but this is the sense I get. It's every time I go to my heavenly father, my hand's in the jar. What do I get? What's my vig? You see, I, I sure I'll love you, Father, but I have an interest in this. What do I get from my marriage? What do I get from my career? What do I get from my, what a, please, you're not going to forget about me, are you? And that stinks. I don't know any way to describe that, but filth. That is the filth of my soul erupting up again. And I, I, I'm the filter. I'm the person who always wants to see what I can get out of something. And so are you. I know this is who we are. We're, tra- we're so trapped, aren't we? Don't, I, feel, I feel a little mobilized by this kind of thing. I, you know where, and you know when you start feeling immobilized, when you realize that your motives are a blur, that in the end, you're not sure if you're serving God or serving yourself or serving some other master. And you're confused and you're alarmed in your own prayer. What have I prayed that hasn't just for me? Am I being selfish by praying for success or praying to win or praying to be a... Oh, all that's going on in my brain. And I'm sitting there, I just feel, I feel so afraid of it. And then I remember, when you get to that moment where you get afraid, and you hear this voice in your head say, oh, every time you do good, every time you do good, Michael, evil's right there with you. Every time you do good, Michael, every time you think about doing good, every time you imagine it, evil's right there. Now, what I just said to Michael, why does that give Michael hope? What I just said to Michael, why is that such a hopeful thing I just said? Does anybody remember? The promise four verses later is there's no condemnation for people like that. See, Paul begins to talk about wretchedness. Anybody who loves Jesus is wretched. More wretched than normal people. You know why? Because you both know his glory, his love, his saving grace, and you simultaneously know what? That you are a fool and a damn fool of that without his grace. That you are filthy and ugly and constantly selfishly grabbing what you can. Oh, this is what we are. And in that moment in which you understand and you see the desire for glory and the Jesus and the desire for Chris, when I see that, where am I? Well, I'm in Romans 7. And as I begin to dwell in my wretchedness and you begin to think about yours, That's right the point at which Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to get there and keep praying. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do seek your own. What else are you going to do? If you're a farmer, you pray for rain. You know, you got got need, and, and, and our Father is kind. Even when you treat him like an errand boy, even though I was filching all those years, you know what? I filched a lot. 
but I even got more than I asked for at the same time. Isn't that funny? He's so kind in answering the prayers of his children. Let me go further. Because God has answered my prayer. God has answered my prayers with millions of dollars before. I'll never forget that story. <laughs> Healing, people coming to faith, especially. That's my favorite thing to pray for, is when people come from death to life. That is, and I've had it happen where I sense God speaking to me and I pray, prayer, and prayer. I'm telling you, this church shouldn't exist. Look around you. This church is a miracle, baby, born out of prayer. Let me, let me follow something here. Um, many years ago, when I was planting in Atlanta, we heard one of the first great miracles of the church happened, and it was a, a, an unbelieving girl who had started tending, and uh, her baby was, had, had been described as malformed in the womb. There was Down syndrome. They had asked her to, to get an abortion. She came to me and asked me about it, and so I just prayed for her, and I didn't even have any real faith about it in my own heart, honestly. Well, it gets a little weirder than that, so I'm praying for her. And I go to the barista, she was a barista, I go to the coffee shop where she was working, and I'd just been in prayer, I just parked my car, I'm going in to see Susan, and I, she'll tell you about it, she, I, I, because it freaked her out. And I walk in, I walk up, and I've just been in prayer, and one of those moments in prayer where I'm like, I feel like God's heard me, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but it's wonderful. You just feel like God just went, yeah, I'm here, I, I heard that, I got that. And you're like, wow, and I'm walking in with that sense of glow, I walk up to the counter and I go, I was just praying for you, you know, your baby's going to be healed. And the minute I said it, I panicked. I'm like, I just became one of those guys? What am I, a non-denominational pastor? What, what happened? Of course, it's funny, because that's exactly what I am right now, but that's another question. But, 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 but that's another question. But, 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 you know, it's like, what? No, God was having fun with me. When she went to the doctor that Saturday, that was Wednesday, that Saturday, you can talk to her about it if you want. Her husband became a Christian because of it. He gave his life to Christ, and so did she. Um, the doctor said, that's not the same baby I looked at last week. That's those limbs are the different length. I'm telling you, I don't understand what just happened. I'm going to give glory to God. I couldn't see the baby in the womb. I'm still going to give glory to God. And it was, that was, that was, but that was on the hard on the heels of, we had to buy a building and a $3 million gift in cash came in to buy it. I started doing something when all that happened. This is kind of, this is me. I never even told anybody about this. I would go through the list of people in the church as I was praying for them, and try to figure out whose prayers God was answering. Because I knew it wasn't mine. Because I knew that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful, effective. And I'm not a righteous man. I would go through the list. I remember one of the people, I, I was almost sure it was, with uh, this wonderful older woman who's a prayer warrior. Uh, for years I thought it was maybe my mom. Um, I remember what Dave, when one, of the, one of the psalmists said, I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosened my chains. I had that testimony. That's my mom. My mom knows Jesus. And I think of her prayers. I wonder how many times they kept me safe at night with the stupid things I was doing when I was your age. But you guys don't do the stupid things I was doing. So I started going through the list. And then I came here and I kept thinking, things started happening like that here. And I'm like, okay, who's praying here? I'm, this is weird, guys. I got, I got really, really uh, intense about it. Like I was trying to figure out who was it? Who is it? Who's praying? Who's praying? This is how stupid I am. Read with me verse... Uh, ver oh, gosh, I cannot read those numbers. 16. It's the last paragraph, uh, like the second, se third sentence. And I will ask the Father. So, tell me. Who was praying? 
My Savior was praying. Hebrews 4.16 tells me my Savior was praying. Ephesians 3 tells me he is interceding. And, I, and this only happened to me a few weeks ago in prayer. And I suddenly, go, I suddenly realized that all these, my desperate attempts to find some way to be worthy of God or find somebody who's worthy of God to make sure that the conditions are met so the prayer is effective. And there's my Savior. Always interceding for me. Praise him. And I felt this relief because you see what I was really doing. I wasn't believing grace. I wasn't believing that God's grace was sufficient for me. I wasn't believing I stood in the sun and I stood in his blood and that I had access and I didn't stand and I didn't take that access as mine with joy. No, it had somebody else's and it was somebody else's, wasn't it? It was Jesus's and he's been praying for me the whole time. Praise him. And in prayer, what am I doing? I'm in him. Don't you, Frankie, you're going to get picked on. Stand up. Stand up. All right. This, I just do this to humiliate people. Don't worry about it. Just don't sit in the front, which you'll notice a number of people don't do. Uh, Jesus, you're, you're Peter right now. And you say, ask me, ask me how to pray. Okay. And Jesus heard that. He heard the disciples ask him. He's like, let me show you how to pray. Go and pray and say, dear father. No, he didn't say that, did he? What did Jesus say when he taught you and me and the humanity how to pray? And what was he saying when he said that, Clay? It's his father and our father together. Join me at the throne. Do you get it? That's what Jesus is saying every time you read the Lord's prayer. Come with me, brother. Come with me. I've paved the way. I'm praying. That your prayers are gilded by mine. They're, your prayers have feathers and flings and flight and reality and truth and power. Because they're on what? On Christ's prayers. And they soar. Oh, praise him. But I'm gonna get, I get even more excited than that. I wanna, I'm more excited than that. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at the greater works. All that. I'm more excited than I am about that. Because this next... The next truth is, it took me so long to understand. And I still feel as if I don't know that I understand it. Well, remember, we're, in, we're amongst wonders. We're in the cave of wonders in the Bible here. <laughs> They're everywhere. But did you notice the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all engaged here? Did you notice that? That the Son is talking to you about the Father and about how the Spirit and the Father are going to bring him Jesus to you, and all this mysterious uh, discussion about the ultimate click, (laughs) right? That's what it is. It's the ultimate click, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You're never going to belong. And then right that moment, I'm caught up into something that I'm around the edge of. How many of you saw the the, uh, play Hamilton? Have you seen it? Oh, it's, it's fantastic if you haven't seen it. It is musically out of sight. It is so well done. It breaks categories. It's wonderful. When you see a black guy playing George Washington, it messes with all your categories. I'm just telling you. It's fantastic. Because it is a great way of talking about the victory of that moment in time. And it goes deep into the story of Aaron Burr and Hamilton. Well, Burr winds up killing Hamilton. He says it in the very beginning. He's the damn fool that shot him. That's what he sings. All right. So the whole story's about that. And Aaron Burr has one of the best songs in the whole play, in the whole musical. And it's this. 
his, his envy of Hamilton. Hamilton's with George Washington all the time. Hamilton's in the room with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison striking out where Washington, D.C. is going to be. And Aaron Burr's so angry. He's so irritated that he says, I want to be in the room where it happens. In the room where it happens. In the room... He was, Hamilton's always in the room where it happens. Nobody was in that room. Nobody was there with Jefferson. Nobody knows what was really said as they struck a deal between the national banks and, the, and where D.C. was going to be in the beginning of our country. Nobody was in the room where it happened. Just those three. And there's Aaron Burr and his anger and his outrage and his frustration, which he ultimately kills Hamilton because of, and he sings the great song. I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens. And I'm watching it. I'm sitting there watching it with Tom. We're sitting there watching it. And I'm saying, everybody, all of us know that feeling, right? Have you ever realized you're not the right meeting? You've had that, mo- you've had that moment. Hey, some of us have had that moment where you realize you're not at the meeting where the decision was made. You're at the meeting after the decision's made. Have you ever had that feeling? Wait, I wasn't in the room where it happened. Well, here's, here's the punchline. Here's the glory. You've been invited in the room where it happens. You see, in that room, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit decided the cause and effect was the way this world would run. And the suns would burn and everything would happen. Like all this. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I don't know what's the matter with me today. In the room where, and, and, and all that cause and effect that he created, the way that everything about the trajectory of that piece of paper is completely mathematically unpackable. We can understand it. And God made it so it would always happen like that. And that same God says, come into my room. Come in the name of the Son, the Father. And by the way, this is, remember we talked about this, the transitive power of holiness. The, the Son, the, we are in the Son. The Son is in the Father. Therefore, we are in the Father, the transitive power of holiness. And this idea is that that means that the power that's in the Father is in the Son is also in Eric. And it, all these implications start popping out of it. And then I'm sitting there and I don't have any way of really describing this, but Johnny, I'm going to call you something. I'm really serious about this. I want you to imagine going to prayer and the meeting is four people, four persons. I'm serious. They're, they're persons. They're not forces. One's the Father. You know Jesus and the Spirit. And when you pray for your wife, you are taking their counsel and they are taking yours. Praise Him. Didn't you imagine what your prayer life was? You know, I wonder. Look, look uh, sure, I'm going to give glory where glory is due. Ted and Gina have signed up for prayer. They made their appointments for the room where it happens. I'm dead serious. When we talk about going to prayer, we are actually going to the one who made cause and effect and asking him to do something about cause and effect that interferes and disrupts San Francisco, our lives, our hearts, our patterns, and the people we love. Praise him. He has put all of his glory on display in Jesus Christ. Endless amounts of power in life that we would do greater works yet than even Christ did. How could such a thing be true? Well, yeah, come on. Come on in the room where it happens. The room where... Cause and effect were made. It's the same room you get to go in every day. At a moment's notice, 
Oh, his, his glory is so great. His, dude, if you knew his glory right now, you would be, honestly, if you knew his glory right now, in your heart, you'd be running there in your heart right now, being like, Father, Father, glorify yourself through Chris and through this whole situation right now. Glorify yourself in every person here because that's what you want. When you're in the room where that happens, that's all you want. <laughs> Praise him. Um, I guess in one sense, if you picture the, the cause and effect, I'm asking you to get in there with your prayers. And ask for, ask for anything. Ask for anything. Why not? Why not? Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you. For... I pray that my foolishness would not be an obstacle to your glory and your love. Whatever is not worth listening to or remembering, I pray it be forgotten. You would teach us how to hear your word. Holy Spirit, you would come and, and seal the word in us so that we can have life. I pray for the gift of faith and, and your answers to our prayers, Father. We have so many things we bring to you in the Son. Hear them all, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This will be out on the table for you to make your appointment in the room where it happens. Amen. This is for you. And it'll be out there on the table. On the night Christ was betrayed, they took bread. Uh, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. And he also took a cup of wine. This is wine to the right and grape juice for those who prefer it to the left. And he took a cup of wine, he poured it, and he said, this is the cup of the covenant. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Hey, guys, don't you want to be in the room where this happens? <laughs> well, you're, you came to the right place. <laughs> Amen? This is, we're in the room where it happens here. Where, where, where forgiveness is brokered. Where eternal life happens. Answers. Anything. <sighs> All right. Now, I, I'm going to put up a fence, a wall, a barrier. I have to. I must. My, my conscience and the Lord Jesus Christ compels me to put up a barrier and to say nobody may come to this table if they don't meet certain conditions. One of those conditions is knowing Jesus Christ, knowing him personally. One of those conditions is, is, uh, is knowing that you are a sinner. And that's the one I love to say, that there's a barrier here if you think you're good. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The way is barred to the room where it happens if you think you're a good person. Because only sinners are welcome to the table. Sinners saved by faith. Amen? That's, that's our joy. That's our hope here. And so I want to put up a barrier. If you think you're a good man or a good woman, I urge you not to take the table in an unworthy manner, which is what you'd be doing. But I, if, you, if you're a sinner whose hope is Jesus, then what the heck are you waiting for? You should be getting up here. You should race here. I mean, push people out of the way. I would love to see that one time. If somebody's like, I need to get there. I, that kind of urgency is what your heart should be screaming right now. Honestly, I think that's what our hearts should be saying when we come in contact with these truths. It's the way we should be reacting. Finally, if you're a skeptic and, and, and listening to my claims, then I, I would invite you, if you're a skeptic, to test me. Test me. Bring it on. T ask me to pray for something. I'm I am so serious. Ask me to pray for something. 
see what our father does. Because in the end, it's his will and his glory that's at stake. Happy to put that on the line. And if he says no, I know that comes out of his love too. So I'm not worried about anything. All right, where, where am I? Oh yeah, so if you're a skeptic, don't come to the table. Just watch us. And as you watch us, I hope envy will begin to eat at your heart <laughs> and drive you to Jesus and his love. Okay, that's enough for that. Did I say everything I had to say there? Yeah. And let's come over here. And let's stand up. Now we're going to go through some motions here where we're going to, we're going to do the uh, mystery of faith and the Apostles' Creed. It's written out there. I ask you to assent to all those things happening in space and time. This is not mythological. This is factual. If you don't believe it's a fact, this is not your table yet. Now, as we worship God together, we'll also end with a, so you're going to come forward during the singing and take the bread and wine back to your seat. So we're going to take it all together as one body in him. Okay. So uh, will you, I love to hear, you know, the call and response, you may think it sounds a little bit dusty. I think I always thought it was kind of old fashioned, but honestly, and as a preacher, I love to hear God, people speak to me. God's word. <laughs> like I, I need to hear the mystery of faith. What is the mystery of faith? Speak it. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Well, tell me, brother, sister, what do you believe? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyterian.sf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.